So, how are those New Year's resolutions coming? We're 11 days in. I saw some kind of... Uh, all right. Um, I, 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 I'm not one to judge. I didn't even write any down this year. I, I've kind of seen that movie before. I know how it turns out. So um, I, I don't want to talk about New Year's resolutions. You know, the problem with New Year's resolutions is, is you say you're going to start something, and you do, and then about a, a, a day or a week or a month later, you kind of look back and say, you know, I, I didn't do that. I haven't changed anything. I, I did it for a little bit, but I haven't changed anything. So what I'd like to do today is talk about the opposite. The thing where you know you should do something, but you don't. You have this, you have this sense that there's something that needs to be done, and you kind of jump right to the conclusion of the New Year's resolution idea, right? You go straight to not doing it anymore without having that pesky doing it in the meantime. So, um, there, there's a lot of reasons we, we do that. I don't know about you. I'll, I'll give an example. There, there's this thing that, that I have been convinced, uh, or convicted really, um, that, that I should, uh, make happen here, um, that I should kind of build consensus or maybe, uh, get, get correction from people who say, no, you're crazy about that. Uh, for more than a year, I've been thinking that this church needs a second worship service, a second a gathering uh, on the weekend, so people who aren't able to be here for whatever reason on Sunday can have an alternative to pick from. And I know there's a history, and I know it's too much for me to do by myself. There's all kinds of things, not least music. And so there's a lot of reasons why I just say, you know, I, I don't know what to do about that. I have this nagging sense it won't go away, um, and yet at the same time, it just doesn't happen. There's this, there's this uncertainty about what the next step is or, or, or how to get that going. And so what happens is I have an irresolution. I'm uncertain. I'm, I'm plagued with doubt. I have this sense that won't go away. And yet at the same time, I haven't been able to figure out what to do about it. So uh, I don't know. Is that, is that ringing any bells with anybody else? I, I, another thing I mentioned earlier, the, um, the, the idea of a short-term mission opportunity in Cameroon. I've been thinking about that since 2012 when a bunch of people from here went on the last one. So I've been thinking about that. It's, it's kind of more than a vague idea, but less than, um, you know, I've got the ticket. So I'm still trying to figure out what to do about that. Um, uh, last year, I preached a sermon series, and many of you came for it. Um, but it was one where I thought to myself, there's something really in this, and I should, I should write a book. Um, there's, you know, if I could devote the time to develop this, this would be a good, a good topic for a book. And so I've got a lot of these things I'd like to start, but I haven't started. You know, I'm irresolute. I, they're not resolutions, but maybe someday they will be resolutions. Right now they're irresolutions. Is that just me? Are there other people? Do, do some of you have things you know you should do, you just haven't gotten around to doing them yet? You know, uh, maybe maybe the thing for you is you need to take a trip. Maybe you need to go see Corinth and Ephesus. Um, I haven't seen Corinth, but Ephesus was was awesome. I know that experience. So um, maybe you need to take a trip. Maybe there's something you need to do at home. Maybe there's a project, you know, and you've been dreading, you know, if, if I if I open that can of worms, then we'll be eating in the garage for the, you know, or whatever, you know, where you're thinking to yourself, I really should, but I don't want to, but I should, you know, if I, if I uh, stay, there will be trouble. If I go, it will be double. Um, you know, you know, it's that kind of thing. You're, you're irresolute about a project or about something that, that's going on. Maybe for you, it's your finances. You need to kind of you know, you need to, to sit down and make a budget, but you haven't, and you know you do, and you know, you're dreading those first credit card bills, um, when they start coming in this year, and you know you should, but you've known you should for a long time and you just haven't. 
Um, may, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's it's uh, something at work. Maybe it's is starting a new job. Maybe it's it's uh, uh, changing the way your current job works. There's something you need to do. Maybe it's your education. I remember I ended ninth grade with a 1.6 GPA, and um, so I had more C's than D's. That's a good thing. Um, and and um, and then I worked in my brother's gas station in the summer, and. Uh, that, I found that to be a very motivational experience, and I and I did better um, in in the uh, you know working in the real world. Kind of changed my my attitude about education, and I said you know I'm following in his shoes, and I really need to stop that. So because I don't want to wind up where he's at, um, but I I had this kind of thing where I said you know I need to actually make some changes in this area, um, and and yet for for you know my entire educational experience prior to that. I had not made those. So maybe for you, maybe there's something in here. Maybe you need to see a doctor. Maybe you need to get a counselor. Maybe there's an addiction you need to deal with. Whatever it is, that there's something where you know that there's something you should do, but it never graduates right to the, the New Year's resolution. This is the year, and now I'm going to do it. So so it's in the category of an irresolution. So if um if you can relate to that in any way, you know, the, the idea of, of something I need to do but I just haven't done yet. I want to look at this scripture today because um, because I've always found this passage to be very helpful in that area. Um, we are we are in the in the part of the church year. The church has a year. Uh, it begins in December, so no one pays any attention, and we wait until most people wait until December for I mean, January first to to say it's New Year's. But the church year begins um, back at the end of end of November, beginning of December. And we're already, you know, a month and a half into the church year. And so we're, we're kind of through the Advent and Christmas time. And now we're kind of looking forward and we've just got regular time or in church words, it's called ordinary time because each week has a number and this is number one. And the reason it's number one is because it's, it's, you, you've got to start somewhere. And so, uh, number one is called, uh, traditionally it's the place you, you, um, you celebrate the baptism of the Lord. So we're celebrating the baptism of the Lord today. That's why we have baptism readings. Um, and this baptism reading is so helpful to me when I think about these irresolutions. So what I'd like to do is go through it and then maybe unpack it a little bit. So, so we read that John the Baptist, uh, or John the Baptizer, excuse me, uh, John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So um, uh, that, that's pretty straightforward. The wilderness is about 20 miles from um, from Jerusalem. Uh, it's along the, the place they're calling the wilderness. It's near the Dead Sea, and it's a place that people didn't farm or, or uh, cultivate in any way. So it was called the wilderness, and he's there, and he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance. A baptism of repentance means to get dunked, to get washed. And the reason you do it is because you've changed your mind. You've decided it's not too late. That it's not like you're just stuck with this. You know, I've, I've made a mess of my life and I'm stuck with it. Repentance means to change your mind. It's saying there is still hope. And the reason is because he's saying there is still yet forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside, that's that whole area around the Jordan River there, and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Why did they do that? The reason is because John, or, you know, we don't know exactly, we, they, don't, they don't tell us why, but the, the likely reason is John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, 
it's kind of the, the, the details of this, the nuances are lost on us, but to uh, people in the first century, they would have been very clear, that is a prophet's outfit. That's what Elijah wore. And they would know the passages where we read about how Elijah wore that same clothes, ate the same food. And they said, okay, finally, after 400 years, it's been 400 years since there was a prophet, and now finally God is speaking to us again. God has relented from his silence, and he's speaking to us. So they went out to see John and, and to be baptized by John as they heard his message that there was hope, that they could they could repent, they could change their mind, that it, they weren't stuck. And so they, they're going out there uh, to see John, but the first thing they hear when he gets there or when they get out to him, is he says, I'm not the one you came for. I'm not that guy. I'm the one who comes before that guy. The one who comes after me, he's the one you need to be aware of. He's stronger than me. He's so strong, I can't even do the most menial household servant's work. I can't even do that for him. I don't qualify for that, much less anything higher. So he says, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptized you uh, with, with water but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the setup. That's that's John the baptizer or John the Baptist. Um, and he has appeared, and so people are going out to him. And I, I've wondered, how did people respond when they heard him say, I'm not the one you want to see? You know, the, you know I, I think, I think the, the correct answer is they should have said, phew, I just made it. I got, it. I got in under the wire before that other guy shows up. So that's the correct answer. But I'm wondering how many of them said, said, uh, kind of the, the, the wrong answer, which is, which is, um, what am I wasting my time with you for? You know, why shouldn't I have just, you know, uh, found this other guy instead? And that's, that's the wrong answer because, you know, you do have this opportunity to kind of slide in under the wire. But I think, you know, I have a soft spot for that second category of people because they're not looking backwards, they're looking forwards. And and this kind of thing is is where uh, this is this is where I relate to the stories. I'm, I I would like to look forward to and not worry about the things that have come before. So um, looking forward, it says in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now this is where we have to stop and realize Jesus was just like us. Jesus had irresolutions. We know Jesus had irresolutions because. Uh, you can do a search now with your Bible. You can see, what should I? Jesus sometimes asks questions. They're not all rhetorical. Famously, at the end of his life, he asked the question in the garden. You know, what should I do next? He says, "He says, Father, I want this, but I also want this. I want this cup to pass from me, but I also want to do your will. So Jesus has irresolutions just like us. And what's interesting to me is that we see the beginning of his ministry, we, you know, we're, we're, we're familiar with the end of his ministry, the, the end of his earthly ministry where he, he suffers and dies and is buried and is raised again on the third day. He ascends into heaven and the Spirit comes at Pentecost. We're familiar with that end, that, that end of his public ministry, but the baptism is where his public ministry begins. But before he begins it, he has to deal with his irresolution. So let's take a look at some of the irresolutions Jesus has. So Jesus is trying to decide when to begin his ministry. Now, did you notice the first one in that first sentence? It says, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Right there, there's something that would have made Jesus wonder, you know, is this the right time? Do I need to do something beforehand in order to set up my ministry? 
you know, uh, the reason is because where did the people come from? Where did the people come from who were baptized by John in the Jordan? It says they came from Jerusalem and the whole Judean countryside. So that's like saying they came from all over the Bible belt. They came from all over the Bible belt and they were baptized by John in the Jordan. And then Jesus came from Las Vegas and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus has to be aware that Galilee is is compromised. There's Gentiles all through it. People would have looked at him and said, how can we trust somebody to be from God if he's from Galilee? There's all kinds of Gentiles there. There's all kinds of foreign influences. This guy, maybe Jesus is thinking, or Jesus would have had to think, should I move to Jerusalem first? Should I get some kind of credentials so people would, would hear me better? Because I'm going to have to deal with this baggage of coming from Nazareth and Galilee for my whole ministry. So Jesus has that going on in his mind. He's, he's saying, he's saying, um, should I, should I do this or not? He thinks now's the time, but he gets advice from people who say, no, this is not the right thing. You shouldn't do this. In fact, we read in two of the other biographies, John the Baptist says, no, Jesus, you shouldn't do this. He says, I, I should be getting baptized by you, not you by me. And Jesus has to say, no, this is the right thing to do. Jesus has to overcome contrary advice from people that says, don't do this. Also, we read in Luke's, Luke's biography of Jesus that Jesus is 30 years old. And traditionally, we don't know this, it's not written in the Bible, but traditionally, Joseph is dead now. Joseph has passed on, and Jesus would have been, as the eldest son, he would have been responsible for the family. So he's got to take care of Mary, he's got to take care of however many brothers and sisters he's got. Jesus has family obligations. He's also got a business. He's probably, again, we don't know this for sure, but in that culture, he would have followed in his in his father's footsteps. He would have been a, a carpenter or a construction worker like Joseph. And so uh, he's got that business to follow in. And he's got family obligations. Is this the right time? Maybe next year is the right time. Maybe I should do this in the spring after we've done that. Maybe I should take care of this thing first. There's a lot of reasons why Jesus would have said, is now the right time. Jesus would have had to overcome these. And what we read is that he does. It says he was baptized by John in the Jordan. So we don't, we don't, it, we're not invited into that dialogue, but we know that Jesus had in, irresolutions just like we do. And we know what some of them would have been. But Jesus does the thing he's convicted to do. And, and really, that's the lesson for us. Uh, what, what I love about this passage of scripture is, do you see when he gets confirmation? He doesn't get a word from God. He, the, the heavens aren't ripped apart, and a voice comes and says, Jesus, now's the time. He doesn't get the Holy Spirit coming down and guiding him to know what is the next step. Jesus is just like us. Jesus has to step out in faith that this is the right thing to do, and now's the right time. And then the heavens are ripped open. Then the heavens are ripped open, and the Spirit comes down and settles on him like a dove. Then the voice comes from heaven and says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. So what do we do with this? We do just what Jesus does. We do the thing that we've got questions about. And and maybe maybe there are legitimate questions. Maybe we don't know the timing. Maybe we don't know 
but we can move the ball forward. We don't have to stay in that state of being paralyzed. We can find some piece of it and say, well, let me at least decide about that. Let me figure out how to do this piece. And then that will tell me about the other things I'm, I'm wrestling with. We can move the ball forward the same way Jesus did. I think so many, so many times we think of the will of God as this straight and narrow path. Jesus says someplace that, that, uh, the, the, the path is wide that leads to destruction, but the gate is narrow that leads to eternal life. And so we take that and we say that applies to everything we do. But if we share Jesus' baptism, Jesus came down and identified with us. He said, I'm going to get baptized. I don't have to be, but I want to identify in every way with the people I came to save. And so we share in Jesus' approval. When we hear the voice come from heaven that says, that says, this is my son, the beloved, with, with you I am well pleased. We share in that because we're united to Christ by his baptism. And so the, the, the will of God for our lives is not necessarily a narrow path. There are things that God says, if you do that, that's wrong. But the path is not narrow. God gives us a canvas to, to, to draw in. He gives us a, a stage to act in. That we have the opportunity to be creative, to exercise our gifts in a way that brings honor to our Creator because we share in God's approval of Jesus. So whatever it is you're thinking about doing, the job, the finances, the, the education, whatever it is, you're, you're kind of on the bubble and you can't decide, find a way to move the ball forward. That's what Jesus did. Jesus overcame his irresolution. There's something um, I do. One of the things I do... Um, you know, how many of you could could describe without without doing it the path you take to drive to work? See, uh, we have this thing. We have this thing, and uh, I've been I've been reading this book called The Power of Habit. This is an awesome book. It's like X-ray vision for why you do or do not do things. So I would strongly recommend it. But it talks about that the way that uh, so often change is hard because we just have a habit. It takes work. To do something, I picked up the wrong thing. Um, it takes work to do something different, and it's easy to do something. It's easy to drive to work in the morning because we know how we're going to get there. We know how to drive home in the evening. We don't have to even think about it. I mean, we're conscious, but we're not thinking about it. But if somebody says, "Oh, can you stop by the grocery store and pick up something?" That's where you know failure comes in, right? Because we don't remember that there's something special about our path today. We're, we're, we're driven by habits. One of my habits, as you can tell, when I'm thinking about things, when I'm irresolute, is to, is to go read a book. So, um, I will tell you another book that if you're, if you're, if you're trying to decide what to do, if you're trying to move the ball forward and don't know how, I would strongly, uh, uh, recommend this book too. It's by the Heath Brothers. Um, it's called Switch. So, The Power of Habit and, um, Switch, two great books. But maybe you don't need a book. Maybe what you need to do is to just get started. Um, maybe there's something that you're irresolute about. And the lesson for you is just do what Jesus did, to assume that you have God's favor. And God will sort you out later if you're wrong. But you can move forward. You can move forward and overcome that irresolution. You can move forward. You can start today. And if you can't start today, you can do something today. We don't have to be prisoners of a resolution. So... Um, my prayer is that we would do that in our lives. Whatever it is, whatever it comes to mind for you, whatever comes to mind for me, I've got about 13 dozen. Um, but 
but think about them, figure out how to move those balls forward. That's what, that's what the baptism is. It's the beginning of a new ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus. He could have, he could have stayed in Galilee one more year. He could have uh, said, no, I'm, I'm, I have family obligations. I need to take care of this. I've got business obligations. People are counting on me. Jesus had so many reasons to stay in Galilee, but he began his ministry. Everything has to have a beginning, Lord. And you know the things that are weighing on us. Should we begin this? Should we begin that? Should we change this? Should we start doing that? Should we stop doing that? Do, do we need to, to change a, resolu- uh, a, a relationship that we're dealing with? Do we need to end it? Do we need to begin a new one? Do we need to deepen this one? Do we need to have a conversation? Lord, there's so many ways that we are trying to decide what to do next. I pray, Lord, you would give us resolution. You'd help us to deal with our irresolution so that we can be like Jesus. We can begin whatever phase of ministry you have for us in our lives and as a church together. I pray all this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.